from the city of brotherly love. This is Shark Bite Biz with David Strausser. You just arrived to the newest episode of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your rock star wannabe host, David Strausser. This is your place to learn how to grow a business during complete global chaos. As always, this episode is brought to you by our amazing sponsor and an SAP global platinum partner, one of only nine in the world. Sador, that's S-E-I-D-O-R. If your business is ready to move off of QuickBooks, you need that next step up. Give us a ring and we'll help automate your business processes. Now let's get back to today's episode where we're going to be talking about turning your passion into reality. So who do we have today? The talented Robert Cavuto. Robert Cavuto is an accomplished music photographer, correspondent, and writer. He has worked with several music websites and magazine over his 22-year career, including most recently Guitar International, My Global Mind, Sonic Perspectives, and Metal Rules. He has interviewed and photographed thousands of bands and artists from Aerosmith to Bon Jovi to Judas Priest to even Van Halen. He lives in New Jersey with his family, plays guitars, and has a successful 35-year career in the pharmaceutical marketing operations business. So, hey, without further delay, let's bring Robert right on in here. Creative and Innovation Tips. Robert, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You, my friend, you just became Shark Bait. <laughs> well, thank you. This is awesome to be here. It's interesting to have the tables turned on me. Usually I'm doing the interviewing, and now somebody else is interviewing me. So thank you so much for this opportunity. It's tremendous. No problem. You know, it's always different, even with me, because I do a podcast, and then it's like, oh, man, you know, I'm interviewing on someone else's show. And it's like, you're so used to leading the discussions and, you know, asking the questions that it's hard when the tables are turned sometimes to play the reverse role, but uh, I'm sure you'll be fine. I, I, I have more sympathy now for all the people and empathy for all the people I've interviewed and maybe put them on the spot. So yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And, you know, it does have to work like a flow. You know, it's, it has to be a story from beginning to end, middle end. And it's, that's what's important. Definitely, definitely. And that's what I like about the show. We get a lot of personal interviews you know we discussed about things like we had Soledad O'Brien on you know we talked 40 minutes and uh, not one political question at all it was all about her being a busy executive and how she's doing it during the pandemic and how she runs it so whether you agree with her you know political stances or, or whatever that didn't matter like it's apolitical totally and it's just talking like how do you do all of this during COVID and she'd tell us stories about eating uh, tater tots with her kids and then having her kids hold up the lighting so that she re- could record for her, her HBO segments, uh, you know, in the, the one bedroom. So it, it was, you know, you, pretty cool. You only get those stories, though, if you do it the right way, I think. Very, very true. I agree. I agree. Before we go on any further, you know, we have a tradition on this show. Very first question. Well, I guess it's not the first question this time, but pretty close. Uh, we love to ask people. What do you do for a living? How do you get there? You know, tell us your life story in a nutshell. Basically, what makes Robert, Robert? Sure, I'll give you the elevator speech. Um, I've been working in pharmaceutical um, advertising and marketing my entire career, 38 years right out of college. Uh, I love bands. I love music. I'm not a sports guy. 
so I've really gravitated towards music. Uh, playing guitar in a band was tremendous, you know, dreams of being a rock star. And that kind of eventually goes away with marriage and a house and bills and responsibility. But, you know, thankfully, my parents really pushed me towards an education. Uh, and that worked out well. And I've always, Paul Stanley was my idol. And I grew up wanting to be Paul Stanley. Paul Stanley. That's funny. We were just talking about Ace Freely before this. <laughs> and he was, he was the main reason for picking up the guitar. And I, I would look at Kiss magazines all the time and really taking note of the photos, what I liked, the angles, not realizing it in the back of my mind. This was setting me up for down the road. But then I started, you know, just taking a point and shoot back in the 19 you know, 90s and taking pictures at concerts and giving them to fanzines and they would post them. And then somebody from the fanzine says, I have a magazine. Could you help us out with? And it was just really an organic process of getting to the point where, all right, I'm, I'm photographing concerts. Now the press people are asking me to do interviews and it just kind of spun and to the point where it's like, I'm doing sometimes interviews two to three times a week, you know, different ones. And it's, I started off with transcription. It was a lot of work. And then I've moved to video because everybody wants the metrics and everybody wants to keep up with numbers. So, yeah, and I've photographed and interviewed, you know, just the, almost everybody out there in some sort of capacity in the band for tours, CDs, books, artwork. That is amazing. Uh, you know, as we were talking about again previously in the uh, Shark Bite Biz Green Rub, uh, you know, <laughs> definitely envious of you because that is something my fans know, you know, we have that mutual passion of music, guitars, mm -hmm. as well as uh, rock music, uh, you know, the, the same bands that you're talking yeah. about, you know, I, I love and adore as well, too. And I do find that similarly, you know, where you had Paul Stanley, you know, I had Joe Perry. And coincidentally, for listeners out there, I'll disclose this. Where did we meet, Robert? Oh, we met at a Joe Perry concert. Atlantic City, Hard Rock Cafe, right? Yep, yep, yep. Hard Rock. Uh, we met during the, the Joe Perry Project show, which was amazing. And uh, I tell you what, you know, for being, what, in his 70s now, uh, probably close to mid-70s, that dude can jam. He is an amazing guitarist. I think he's underrated. I thought that was a tremendous show, and I... I always go thinking I'm going to go see Joe Perry and and then I'm going to go see Extreme and watch Nuno just being a guitar player. And Gary just blows me away. He becomes the entire... Gary Sharon from Extreme was the lead singer during the Joe Perry Project shows. And he just captivates me, particularly with the lens. He is posing and interacting and carrying it like I've never seen anybody do. It was, it was the best front man out there front men out there. I yeah, yeah. No, he was definitely incredible. And the thing is that was really cool was uh, first off, Buck Johnson, who is Aerosmith and the Hollywood Vampires member, kind of like the, the sixth wheel, I guess, of both bands. Uh, but he's actually been on the show, interviewed anybody that wants to see him. Uh, I think he's in season one. Uh, you could check it out. And he tells a story about how on Mother's Day he gets a call from Steven Tyler. And it's like, uh, yeah, we need you to fly out to India today because uh, they just separated with their their uh, previous uh, keyboardist. So, uh, you know, he's got a really cool, passionate story that he kind of tells. And it, it was really, really amazing to hear. But we had a sign front row. I'm sure you probably saw it where it's like, Mr. Joe F. and Perry, pick here, please. 
And we got picks or like everybody that was playing. But then at the end, right after, I, I think they closed with Train Kept her Rowan. And again, this goes to your point about uh, Gary Sharon being, you know, an amazing front man. You know, he was like this to my wife, ran over, grabbed Joe's pick from uh, Train, brought it right over, handed it to my wife. That was amazing. I've interviewed him. He follows me. He's just a really good guy and just incredible talent. And I think the perfect match for uh, Joe Perry. I just think the whole thing was just fantastic. I think they should take that on the road. I mean, they really should do an extensive tour. They were talking about an album, but nothing really developed that I heard. When was that, June we saw them? Yeah, I believe it was June. Yeah, it was a delayed birthday present for me. Yeah, nothing's really come about, but what a, tr- what a tremendous album with, you know, Gary Schroen singing with Joe Perry. Oh, my God. That would have been amazing. I mean, even the the Hollywood Vampires, where Joe was playing there with Johnny and um, Alice Cooper on that album that they did, uh, I believe all covers it was. That was a really good album as well, too. Um, I, I love that. And, uh, you know, you have to wonder now with everything that's going on with uh, Steven Tyler, if there even will ever be any more Aerosmith shows. Yes, I, I kind of tend to agree. You know, uh, my wife and I were kicking around the idea of going out to Las Vegas. I live in New Jersey and we were kicking out the idea of going to Las Vegas, you know, this winter break and see them and buy those $350, $700 tickets and and we were really close to doing it. And whatever reason, we just never pulled the trigger. And thankfully, we didn't because he canceled a bunch of shows. And we would have been, you know, that was, I'm not a gambler. So the main reason of going to Las Vegas was to see Aerosmith. So I, I think I just have to bide my time and wait till they come around. You know, and it's interesting because if you read Joe Perry's book, well, I, I, I got to lie. I did not read Rocks. What I did was I got the Audible version and I listened to it. And the reason is, is because it is Joe Perry reading the book and you get to hear his voice. So it's kind of like you're just having a discussion and he's telling you his life story. That to me was mind blowing. I love those types of books because then I can get absorbed and really, because I know it's Joe's voice. It's like he's telling me his life. And that was the big complaint. I think I remember coming out of that book about Stephen shows drama and, and Joe's just like, I just want to jam, man. I just want to play you know, and he kind of did that. Those shows got canceled within a couple of weeks. You know, he announced, hey, we're doing the Joe Perry Project tour and did like eight or 10 shows or whatever. That's it. Yeah, that, that was I, I interviewed Joe for the book and it was uh, a nerve wracking experience interviewing one of my idols, too. You know, so, yeah, to talk about his book and to talk about those hard times and those difficult times and the transitions with Stephen and not try to be disparaging about anything. And at the same time, so it, it was a little bit of a delicate dance, but we we. We got through it. It was tremendous. It was audio. Uh, you know, many of the sites I work with, I go back and I go, I don't know if I'm ever going to get Joe Perry for an interview again. We should post the audio because, like I said, I used to transcribe only because that's how they wanted it. But it would be great to go back and put the audio to this and let people hear it and put it on YouTube with some of my pictures and make it work. But I'm not that technical, so I'm really relying on them to do it. And it's all about time and energy for them. I don't know if they want to go back. It's great when you can get some of those special stories out there. Like when we had Jack Douglas on the show during the interview, he was like, yeah, so I'm working on Ringo's new album. Now, this is like, uh, what, maybe two years ago uh, that we interviewed him. So probably would have been around 2020, 2021 that that album would have come out, I assume. But he was producing the album and he's like, he sent me all the tracks and he's like, I just happened to be hanging with Paul. And I'm like, hey, Paul, why don't you lay down the bass lines for this? 
So I don't know if Paul McCartney has any official credits in that album, but at least for one of the songs on that album, you actually have Paul McCartney playing the bass lines on Ringo's album. And just those types of stories that you can get out of them, like that insider knowledge, that is mind-blowing sometimes. They share a personal story like they've never told anybody else before. And that's that's always, you always walk away with a good feeling when they, when you're having this, like you said earlier, it's not really a Q&A, it's more of a conversation. You have to ask some questions, obviously. You have to set up a story. You have to set up a flow with those questions. But at the same time, I can ask those same questions to somebody and I'll get very generic answers and I can ask them, other people, and I'll get very passionate honest, candid answers. So it's a good feeling when somebody says, tells you shares, feels comfortable enough to share something with you. And I've had a lot of people at the end of the interview go, I feel like I'm talking to a friend, you know, and that's, that's always a good feeling. That is exactly what I shoot for in this interview as well, too, because when I interview, my style is like we're doing now, you know, casual friendship, chatting, uh, even if I've never met the person before. And over time, you know, it's something I think you grow into. Maybe there's some people that are naturals, but with me, I never liked public speaking. I had to kind of grow into this. Um, and I, I think I've grown adequately well. I mean, the show gets a decent amount of views and listens. So, uh, you know, we have some uh, passionate fans. But I, I want to ask you, you know, you are a music uh, photographer. You're, you are a correspondent, okay? So you kind of consider yourself a journalist then? And if so, what about the integrity with that journalism? aspect. Yeah, I, I do consider myself a journalist, uh, whether it's photographic journalism or the, the written journalism. I think it's important to um, share, to always be positive. You always have to be positive. You always have to put good light, good spin on things. I don't, I'm not working for the Star Magazine where we're, we're looking for dirt. I'm looking to help these guys. I'm looking to promote what they're having to promote. And I have a relationship with the publicists. And that's important. You don't want to slag somebody or say something negative. They go back, tell the publicist, and the publicist cut you off. So it's a very incestuous business, and you always want to be respectful, and you always want to do the right thing, and you always want to put your best foot forward. And I think that's important. That's I always try and be respectful to the artist, and you know. But ultimately, I, I stay away from those sometimes challenging questions of you know that could you know make somebody blush or turn around and say uh, I don't want to talk about that. So it's, that's not my role. I'm not getting paid for this. I do it out of, out of my love for it. Websites don't really get money for anything. So it's very grassroots. And the last thing I do, I want to do is ever piss anybody off. Yeah, yeah, no, that's totally, totally understood. So ethically, let's just say you had an awesome picture of somebody, but that picture could easily be taken out of context to where people could think that it meant something else. It's kind of like where they give you a three second video clip. Oh, look, so and so did this. But if you watch the or said this, but you watch the full minute long segment, you're like, oh, no, like in context, that makes perfect sense. Uh, you know, you would never publish something like that. I'm never in those situations to really get that. It's usually just stage. Um, I'm usually. I always want to put this, the, the artist in the best of light. And I hope that I do get a great picture and a, a series of them. And I'm hoping I'm getting their good angle and showing them the way they want to be seen to the fans. So I'm really, 
never in a position to not be where I'm not supposed to be. I'm always. So you're trying to do things, like you said, positively. Yeah. And I interviewed Rob Halford one time years and years ago, and he was talking about sobriety. And uh, I went back to the publicist. I said, is this all right to publish? You know, I'm always, I'm that type of person. Um, I did, I was in a situation one time where somebody, I asked a very generic question. And I think it was, what album was your favorite album and why? And the answer got a little off topic in a sexual way. And the editor got very upset. You know, I presented it to the editor. I said, do you want to cut this? Do you want me to change the words? And the editor got very upset of the, of the, the magazine and the website and said, you, you know, you have to go back. You have to do this. It's like, this, I'm not interviewing popes and bishops. I'm interviewing rock and roll guys. So that was the one thing I can honestly say that really backfired on me because all of a sudden from an editor I was working with for seven or eight years already somehow got very upset. And he had a criteria and how to uphold and this and that. And I was like, we don't have to use it. We don't have to, you know, but it's, it's his sandbox and now you got to play nice in it. So I, I did, but yeah, that was the one situation where I actually, there was talk about calling the police. There were, and I got to call my friend who's a lawyer and it got really out of hand really fast where I was thought I was going to jeopardize my job over something so insignificant that somebody took. That is crazy, but it also, I think, reflects upon the world that we live in these days. How everybody is just kind of overprotective and, you know, even if you say something, people can literally interpret it another way, you know, and they usually interpret it negatively. And then it's just a can of worms. It was during the height of the Me Too movement. This editor was very conscious of that, you know, and uh, yeah, it was, I had to go tell my wife, I had to go say, honey, you know, I got to get a lawyer because, you know, I, I asked the question, what, where was your favorite album? And I got some off color remark i asked my editor what to do and now he wants to call the police it was like oh my god you know it was was, that was that was the one and only time i could honestly say that it it did get a little scary wow wow how long ago was that you said hi me too so like what five years yeah it'd be 14 or 15 2014 2015 i'm guessing but you know I, i stopped working with the site and i just said you know what that's that's great you know it should have been this collaborative uh thing where you know Maybe you would, if we're doing this and I said something off color, maybe you would ask me later on, could I take this off? Said, yeah, don't, don't put that or whatever the case may be. But we could, we didn't have that open conversation and I don't understand why. And I tried to, and he was just so adamant. And uh, there was a lot of ways around it, but the way he chose was, I thought the wrong way. Thankfully, nothing materialized and we dropped the interview and, you know, he didn't pursue it. And, uh, you know, but it was, it was that awkward moment where it was like so unnecessary over something so insignificant that, a rock star said in passing sexually, you know. What about the, like the skill set needed for, you know, taking photographs and reviewing the concerts like you do? I mean, that's got to be a little bit challenging. Like we were talking about earlier, you know, you have the different lighting, different dynamics, you know, different egos, I guess you could say too. How do you, you know, evolve into that role? Yeah, it was a lot of trial and error. Uh, there was bands I shot like Metallica and ACDC when I was starting off. I haven't gotten those opportunities since due to whatever COVID changes. They don't want you in the pit. And you're hoping for the best. You hopefully, you, you know, you know what you know, and then you do your best. And I think with those two bands, I think I could have gotten a, more, a lot more shots had I been a better photographer. But unfortunately, 
it works out. But I, I got a great, you know, 30, 40, 50, really, really nice shots of both bands instead of 300 nice shots. So there was a learning perspective and, uh, you know, it came together really well, but it, it took a lot, look a lot of time. And it, I would recommend that to anybody who wants to do this, go and shoot bands maybe that aren't the big names that you're not worried about screwing up. So by the time you get to those big name bands, you have a good groundwork. How was ACDC though? Cause you mentioned them and as I told you, I met Brian Johnson and Is Young once, uh, luckily. And with them, uh, you know, it was at a restaurant after a concert, a couple hours after a concert, which totally surprised us because a minivan pulls up and a sliding door opens and out jumps Brian Johnson and Angus Young. And we're like, holy crap, you know, like, uh, uh, we're right over there to talk with them. They have security guys and stuff. It was pretty cool. But they, um, when I met them, they were the most uh, humblest people that I've ever met. It was during their Black Ice tour. And it was really incredible. I'll never forget, you know, and I, I, you know, they were probably really the first rock stars I met because it was about 10, 15 years ago now. Um, but I was like, hey, Mr. Young, Mr. Johnson, I grew up with your music my whole life. You guys are legends. You guys are rock gods. Thank you so much. And I just remember hearing them. Ah, thank you, mate. You know, in their Australian accent and then getting bear hugs from Brian Johnson and Angus Young. And to me, that was like, holy cow, like uh, I, I've never had that experience before in my life. Um, but I've also found out since then, not everybody is as welcoming. No, there are bands that are not as welcoming. They were they're a great band to see live. And I think my biggest mistake with shooting them that time was I was so used to shooting in clubs that were dimly lit. And then I was in a Brendan Byrne arena at the time. And I, I overexposed a lot of my pictures. Thankfully, Photoshop helped me save a lot, you know, 10 years down the road when I learned Photoshop. But for the most part, I, I, the photos are a little too hot. But they still look good. You know, they, they look like part of the time, and that's part of my history, and you have to accept it. Well, I mean, I guess that goes into, like, our next point here about as far as gaining experience, creating your resume. I mean, you just hit on a couple points there as far as trial and error, you know, learning starting with the the smaller ones and working your way up to the bigger ones uh, is good because if you go straight to the top and you mess up, you might not have that chance to get back up there again. Exactly. Yeah. It's important to do your homework and uh, find a site that's willing to support you for the big names and, and the little names, give you the opportunities, but definitely you got to practice and hone your chops. You have to get some good equipment and I recommend that Lightroom or to save a lot of things and shooting in raw, I think that's critical. You know, everybody out there I see in the crowd has an iPhone or a point and shoot sometimes. And I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm looking at the back of their camera and I'm going, those are terrible shots. What are they, you know, what do they keep doing? So they don't really know, but they're probably learning, but it's really the right equipment and knowing where to, to be standing and doing to get the pictures. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're all the way up front, it usually helps. Yeah. That totally helps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For the Joe Perry concert, I had third row and first row seats. A lot of times I'll go to a concert. I went to Rob Zombie at PNC and I was so excited to see them. I was so prepared because he has such unusual dark lighting and mystic lighting. And I was ready. I was mentally prepared that this is going to be a challenge and how am I going to do this? And then they go, okay, you're going to shoot from the soundboard in section 200. And I'm like, oh, and, you know, when you're shooting that far back, 
you're really not getting great stuff. Yeah, you you got to zoom in and stuff like that. Yeah, I got a big zoom, but you always have to be prepared. You always got to bring extra batteries, extra cards, multiple lenses for yourself. Especially if you're shooting in RAW. I mean, that's large photo sizes, right? Large photo sizes, yeah. That's It's layered. So you could pull back the green. You could pull back the red. You could pull back the yellow through Photoshop. And oh, too dark, too light. There's There's ways to adjust it. So... It's your best friend. So if you're doing a concert, okay, what type of cameras do you feel are the best throughout your experience? I mean, there's a lot of choices these days. Yeah, there's a lot of choices. You know, it really comes down to Nikon or Canon. I have a, I have a Nikon D4. I have a, my standard lens is a 70 to 200 with the 2.8 aperture. So I could um, use it well in, in dark settings. And then I have a zoom. A, I think it's a 70 to 200. So I really like carry around one camera and I, I, I interchange the lens depending upon, I bring the lens, all, two lenses all the time and depending upon where they stick me sometimes, I'll, I'll swap out the lens. Okay, yeah, Joe Perry, they stuck you right up front. Yeah, there was no barricade. I was in front of people. Yeah, you were right at the stage. Yeah, my pictures were awesome. That was. Yeah, I was front row and you were even in front of me. I got your head in a few shots. Some of the best lighting I've seen at a concert. Years. That's what I like about Joe Gad, not to keep rambling on about Joe Perry, but his show isn't about the, you know, I guess the theatrics, you can call it, like the Alice Cooper shows and stuff like that. It's more just simple, like rock show. This is just about the music. And since the star of the show is a guitarist, you know, there's a lot of good riffs. And, you know, it's kind of like people that like symphonies or orchestras, stuff like that, where it's just more about the music than the theatrics. That's where I like shows with theatrics, you know, Kiss, like you said, stuff like that. But there's also sometimes that I like just to go hear some dude rip it up on the guitar. Absolutely. I, I love it all. I, I do like the big theatrics. I have to be honest with you. I do like, you know, Kiss was the first concert I went to, 1979 in July. And that I, I look back on that and I go, man, I wish I would have had a camera. Not that it would have been of any value. I was on the floor, but I look back and I think that's what spurs me on to take these pictures is like, it's almost like a remembrance, a memento of the concert. Oh, I remember this. I remember what he was wearing. I remember what he said. I remember what he did. So in my mind, I don't have that for Kiss in 1979, but I have it now. Understood. So in your opinion, then, you know, a lot of bands are like, oh, you know, all you see is a uh, slew of cell phones and people recording it. Put your phones down, watch the show. But it's like, hey, if this is my favorite song, I want to record that because I may never get to see you live again. And I want this memory. And yeah, maybe I'm watching it through the screen. Maybe I'm watching it with my eyes. Sometimes you can even see it better on the cell phone than you can uh, with your eyes, depending what phone you have and where you're at. But um you know, I, I kind of like that. What's your take? I think it's the only way to do it nowadays for people to keep that memento. And I think it's important that if that's their memory, that's what they have to have. It's just challenging when everybody has them up high. Oh, that drives me nuts. Like I try to put my phone about my forehead level. Okay. Uh, as long as, and I'm, I'm not super tall, but it works most times because there's not many people that are going to be that much taller than me. But right about here is where I try to do it. But it drives me nuts if if I'm second or third row and you have that one person that's uh, maybe they're a giant or maybe they just have their phone way up above their head and then it's blocking everybody else behind them. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think there's a, a level of like, do you want it as a memento or are you looking to post it on YouTube and get hits for whatever reason? 
So I see people, you know, they'll get a couple of minutes of this song, a couple of minutes of that song. Sometimes they'll be doing the whole show. And it's kind of like, there's no rhyme or reason to it. So yeah, um, they'll come up close, they'll turn it on, they'll walk away, you know, so I, I don't know how often those people actually go back to those phone pictures or phone video and look at those things. I use Google Photos, so everything's backed up there. I like it where it's like, hey, uh, five years ago, you were at this concert, you know, you were, you know, Marilyn Manson or Rob Zombie or whoever, and it comes up and it's like, oh, awesome. You know, I remember the show and then I'm able to look back through, watch a video clip or two or watch a song. And I, I, I use it like that. Um, it's not like I go back and watch them every single day. Metallica was one of the first bands, um, you know, uh, to sell their live shows from what I remember, individual live shows. So that means that um, when I saw them, I don't know, maybe it was, uh, 2006 2007 i think it was uh maybe 2008 latest um but when i saw them in that time period they uh uh first time was a, a festival in tucson which was great because it was a festival they weren't on tour for anything at that point and it was just the greatest hits thing so for my first metallica show that was like a dream come true uh because they had no mu new music that they were pushing out every other song it was just all the famous ones I knew. And, uh, you know, back then cell phones obviously weren't as good. So it's not like I'm going to be able to record this, but what they did was they sold a, like a, a true, very high quality recording from the soundboard that was available to buy within days of the concert. And it was only like 10 or 15 bucks to buy your specific show. I thought that was amazing. I can't believe more bands aren't doing something like that to get additional revenue. And yeah, that, that is interesting. You know, going back to the point about the videos on YouTube, what's interesting too is that I, I hadn't shot Iron Maiden in many, many years. And I said, I was so excited about it. One of my favorite bands. And I said, let me go watch some YouTube videos of them, particularly the first three songs, because that's what I usually get. And, I, and in my mind, I'm thinking, Iron Maiden doesn't choreograph, but let me just watch. And I, I looked and I could see people moving at certain times and going back and forth. I said, well, let me look at another concert, city concert. And I saw the same movements again. Then I went to a third one. The guy was in the, the higher decks and I was watching it from above. And you could actually see them going back, going forward, going this way, going that way. And I was like, I was jotting all these notes down and I said, stand here, stand there, stand. And it actually helped me get better pictures doing my homework from watching it on YouTube and realizing that there was synchronicity between all the members during those three songs. And I knew where to be and where to stand at the right time. Because again, to your point was, might be a once in a lifetime thing. I might not get to shoot them for another 10 years, but at least I'm not, I'm in the right place at the right time. I, I do something very, very similar as well too. You know, it's about being prepared, doing your homework for whatever your challenge is. And if I'm going to a concert, Unless it's the very first show, then I go back to the previous tour, but that could be hit or miss. But I look at the set list for the previous three, four nights, see what they play, see where the songs correlate. And then I know like, okay, I love this song. I want to record that. I'm getting my phone ready at the end of the previous song 
And, you know, you kind of can figure out, okay, these songs are constant. These songs are rotating. And uh, it gives you a good idea of, uh, you know, when to be ready for your favorite song. So I know that uh, we're running out of time. So what I want to do is ask you one quick question and then we'll get your information out to everybody. Okay. Um, Creating a presence on social media. How critical is that? For your work, obviously, someone like you with photos of rock stars, it's got to be a little bit easier, but still, you need that publicity to get more work. Absolutely. I think it's it's critically important to have social media presence on uh, Facebook and on Twitter is my favorite, personally. I, not on Instagram, but I, I do think you have to be on, you have a presence, and it's supposed to be social. So you're supposed to be following people as they're following you, you follow your celebrities, and as you take these pictures, you have to find ways to tag all these people in those pictures. And after a while, you start to build up a, a following and people will like your stuff and give you nice comments. And it's very, very, I get them all the time and they're so, make me want to go on. So I think it's really important that you, you have a, a really strong social media presence. You hook up with a couple of strong websites, fanzines, magazines, and they tout your abilities also. So I think that's, that's, it's critical to the whole thing. And you have some awesome, awesome, awesome uh, photos in there. It's like, holy cow, that is a beautiful, beautiful shot. Um, There's another photographer out there. Nobody ever sees the bad. Yeah. Yeah. No one ever sees the bad ones. Right. Right. Uh, There's another photographer out there too, that I like a lot of his work with uh, Russ Ross. Um, I can't think of his name, but uh, very, very similar. But he does a lot more like uh, backstage type photos or group shoots and stuff. And he's got some awesome pictures as well, too. I mean, I, I love seeing them because it gives you a glimpse into their lives. Yeah, sometimes I, I get that opportunity. I, one time I had Rick Allen. I did an interview with them for his artwork. I was the first person to do the interview. And at the end, he was like, oh, you know, I might have said um too much or this. And I said, don't worry, I'll clean everything up. It, it's going to be perfect and edited out, you know, no worries. But not that there was anything wrong with what he said. I didn't think there was a problem. But at the end of it, when he got it, he goes, he goes, I want, I want to thank you. And I want you to come backstage at the next Def Leppard show in your area. I want to treat you like family because this is, you did such a nice piece on me. And it was no different than I would have done for anybody. And it, it wasn't, he was a little, maybe a little bit more self-critical, but he, he was great. Life of Agony did that for uh, for us. Uh, I don't know if you know Alan Robert, but uh, amazing artist. Uh, I don't, but I don't know. Yeah, he's been on the show uh, as well as uh, their other, their bassist uh, on the show as well, too. But anyways, we are out of time. Let me ask you, how can people digitally, please note, I'm saying digitally, stalk you online? Where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Facebook as, as Rob Cavuto. They can find me on Twitter as Robert Cavuto. I also support Metal Rules, a great website, Heavy Metal. I also support Sonic Perspectives, and I also support My Global Mind. So somewhere along the lines, and if you type in my name, there's going to be coming up pictures or interviews I've done with somebody. So Perfect. And we'll definitely, uh, everybody knows down below in the description, we'll have a link directly to his Twitter account right there so you can instantly follow. And uh, Robert, we'll follow you back. Thank you so much. This, this, this was tremendous. And it, it, it didn't hurt as much. I was very nervous, <laughs> you know, thinking, all right, the tables are turned and 
but no, it was, you're, you're, you're a great host. And, oh, uh, thank you. I appreciate you that. I've honored. <laughs> yeah. I've always uh, nervous at myself interviewing people that do interviews like, Oh man, this guy's got a trash me. Uh, yeah. But thank you. That means a lot. I appreciate it. And thank keep you. on rocking my friend. Thank you. Please keep in touch. It was nice talking yep. with you. Thank yep. you for the opportunity. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye. Wow. That was such an incredible chat with Robert, wasn't it? I love talking about music, guitars, rock stars, all that stuff, because like Robert, I always wanted to be a rock star. That's why in the intro I said the rock star wannabe. But Robert, you know, maybe he's not an actual rock star, but he's probably as close as you can get to rock star, be it that he, you know, takes pictures and records and films these actual living legends in the music industry. And I'm jealous, but jealous in a good way because, man, you know, he had to fight to get everything that he got. And again, it was full of a bunch of trial and error to get really where he's at. First, though, you all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, if it sparked those warm and fuzzies, do me a favor. Hit that like button, smash that subscribe button. But you, if you really want to help us out, because you know Shark Bite Biz is the greatest kept secret in the world of small business growth, please share us out to your friends, your colleagues, your family, anywhere that you dwell on the interwebs, whether Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Minds, Rumble. I don't care. Just help us get the word out about how amazing Shark Bite Biz is please do your job help others grow and they'll be grateful for it because they can hear these enlightening stories like what robert cavuto just told us now let's get back to the real rock star of this show mr robert cavuto this again was a great conversation we had of just somebody that's kind of like me somebody like you all as well too you know that you had a dream and you wanted to chase that dream, but maybe you fell short. But instead of just giving up completely, you found another way to get at least close to that dream. And Robert chased his dreams, and some of the advice that he gave us was really solid. If you want to do something like he did, like taking pictures of rock stars and bands and stuff like that, you know, don't burn bridges potentially, you know, by messing it up, by going after the big fish first, because if you're not experienced and things go the wrong way, you know, you're burning bridges. And word travels fast in the this industry. A lot of people, same managers or same PR team, stuff like that. And you'll never get another shot at photog- uh, taking pictures, uh, uh, you know, any type of photography with bands like that again. So don't go after the big ones. Take your time to really develop your craft. And instead of burning bridges, you're actually building bridges, okay? And you're doing that by starting small and working your way up as you get better, more professional. You learn how to take pictures in different light settings, in different scenarios, like the time that he mentioned that he was all the way back with the sound crew and was like, oh crap, this is going to be hard. Only experience can teach you how do you make the best out of those types of situations. And if you get stuck on that too early with a major band, that could be a career killer. 
So, Robert, I mean, hey, thank you so much. I mean, you really gave us, I, I, I guess, some solid advice about how some people can really get out there and just kill it with some opportunities that they get and to be able to build off of that momentum and really build an awesome portfolio. Awesome stuff, Robert. Thank you so much for coming on, sharing about your failures. A lot of people are embarrassed about talking about failures, but let's face it, failures are the way that people grow, you know, and because of those failures, people like Robert, they have successes that they're able to talk about and it's just really awesome having a chat with me, you know, and with our listeners so that they could hear about how they can reach their dream goals. Now, while we were talking about taking photographs of rock stars in this specific issue, you know, in this specific interview, I should say, you know, it does translate over to so many other different fields that work the same way. Sometimes you just can't go all the way up top. You've got to start a little bit lower, do some of that grunt work and work your way up. Question of the day. And here's a fun one for you. Did you go through the I want to be a rock star phase. Leave a comment down below on YouTube. If you want to be a guest on the show, please shoot out an email interviews at sharkbitebiz.com. Remember, if you're watching on YouTube, you can join the channel $3 a month. Yeah, only $3 a month. You can become a baby shark, support this channel. And, you know, if not, hit the little super thanks button. It's the heart with the dollar sign. Again, a dollar, five dollars, twenty dollars, whatever you can donate helps us get more advertising, get better equipment, get better interviews booked, and really allows us to grow as an organization focused on helping people grow, whether it's personally professionally, or of course, having small business growth. Also, again, please don't forget to check out our sponsor of this episode, Sador, an SAP Platinum partner. Check them out, Sador, S-E-I-D-O-R.com. You know, if you're ready to get off QuickBooks, you need the next step up. QuickBooks is limiting your business then it's time to check out SAP with Sador. So y'all know this by now, but I'll tell you once again, I'm David Strausser. This is Shark Bite Biz. We'll see you all next episode. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz. We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story. 